Have you ever heard of an artist named Blockhead? What about a guy named Prince Paul? If you've heard of one of these two people, you have awesome musical taste. If you haven't, the opportunity still exists to refine your auditory palate. Welcome to episode three of Uniquity Over Ubiquity, the show that delves deep into an artist's mind and experiences to deliver unique and honest info about what it took to become who they are. The way this show works is we ask an up-and-coming artist about another artist that inspired them. After they give me that info, I dive headfirst into the history of both artists and ask questions that stretch beyond the norm and really get into the process of establishing yourself as an artist that stands out. I'm your host and creator of the show, Kyle Parker. A little about myself, I am a tech geek that loves to write comedy and dabbles in music production. A couple years ago, I attended an online course at the Second City Comedy School in Chicago. The class was based on writing a podcast, and by the end of it, our final project ended up being a full episode. That's how Uniquity Over Ubiquity came to be. For this episode, we talked with one of my favorite artists to date. Blockhead is based out of New York and loves hip-hop. He just released a new album called Free Sweatpants that features fire hip-hop over his awesome beats. In addition to that, he has made sample-based music with a multitude of artists, from Illogic all the way to Aesop Rock. I first heard of him through the song and music video titled The Music Scene. I'll play that song for you now. To date, I've probably shown that video to about 50 people. Little did I know when I found him, I was uncovering something I truly loved. Great hip-hop. Here's some of that now from his latest album, Free Sweatpants. This song is called Slippery Slope. Listen, I'm so amped in the style and that's wilder than cold lampin'. Wallace flavor, flavor ain't behave like no trampin'. Holdin' hate talking, golden state ain't no champion. Hood people talking, good we gon' go camping. Now, here's something I consider a halfway point between these two styles. This song is called The Art of Walking. It's safe to say this man knows his way around a beat. He is just an all-around awesome, knowledgeable, and cool guy to talk to. He sat down and talked with us about hip-hop OG Prince Paul. Prince Paul has a reputation that greatly precedes him. Starting in the 80s all the way to now, he has shaped so much about the music we hear and love today. He is best known for producing albums for De La Soul, most namely the album De La Soul Is Dead. Starting out with the group Stetsa Sonic, he ended up producing for Gravediggers, MC Light, Big Daddy Kane, Queen Latifah, Cypress Hill, Slick Rick, and even Chris Rock. The man is simply legendary. Learning about him was so awesome. The catalog behind him is immense and talented. When you listen to Prince Paul, then listen to Blockhead, you can see a lot of similarities without it being the exact same style. 
It was so cool to wrap my ears around the tunes I was hearing and reminisce on the old days of hip-hop rising to popularity. We get down to some of the more historical aspects of hip-hop and talk comparatively about then versus now. If you love hip-hop or even music, this will for sure be very informative for you. So let's get down to it. Today I'm talking with Blockhead about one of the artists that inspired him. His name is Prince Paul. Um, if you know anything about rap or hip-hop production back in the early 90s, would you say late 80s too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, was doing, he was the late 80s. He, he was in Stetsasonic and then he worked with De La Soul. Reading about him was so interesting. Late 80s, early 90s, amazing hip-hop producer, super sample artist, just really cool all-around guy. And... He, you know, I, I can totally see after looking into him how you pick this guy because a lot of what you do is very similar to what he's been doing. And I, I just think that's really, really cool. Um, and I think it's a good thing for people to know about if they want to understand the history of music production. This question I'm going to ask all of my guests every time because this show is about, you know, uniquity in its own right. What do you think makes Prince Paul stand out so much in such a vast history of hip hop? I think Prince Paul was the first, well, one of the first guys I heard to like, to do sample layering. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but he also did collage work and he, he did like small cuts of vocals. He, he had, he had kind of a sense of humor to his production and uh, it wasn't just like loops and breakbeats. Like it was very, it was more, I don't know. It, it was, it just, it had more of a, of a reach. It felt to me. And like, I, and I was, it was quirky and I was kind of like that aspect about it. Cause because, you know, a lot of hip hop in general is kind of very, you know, it, it's very serious. Yes. And and he always, and he was able to kind of capture the quirky side of it, but also so, something that had feeling in it, you know? He's a very interesting artist, man. Like everything that I was reading and uncovering and all the stories about him are just like incredible. What was your experience like listening to him for the first time? I didn't know who he was probably the first time. The first time I listened to him was, man, I wonder, it was probably on the first De La Soul album. And I wasn't really checking for producers back then. I was just kind of like listening to the music, you know. I was I was like I was in grade school when that came out, and I just like loved the production on the album. And then like I became more aware of like kind of producers and stuff like that. Maybe like a couple of years later, and then I kind of put it probably actually around De La Soul's Dead is when I started to realize I was like, oh, Prince Paul is this guy. And then I kind of started noticing more and things he had done. I, like I was aware of Stetsasonic, but I wasn't. I was never even a huge Stetsasonic fan, but like I, I it kind of made me invest look a little deeper into their stuff and uh, right and then grave diggers came out and he did a, he did he, you know he always had like remixes here and there and, and it just kind of uh yeah like it just i can't say there was a moment of like oh my god prince paul but like he did do a song called uh que sera sera with this guy justin warfield which is uh probably one of my favorite beats of all time like it was it, but it's you know and the song itself is, is is fine but like the beat is really what makes the song so special now, I, I actually, uh, I didn't even write this question down, but I think this is an interesting thing to touch on because you guys, uh, I mean, are you from New York or you just live in New York? I'm I'm born and raised in New York. Okay. And I believe he was too, right? He's from Long Island. Okay, cool. But do, believe, you, yeah. do you feel that because that because y'all lived in the same area, you were just a little bit more attracted to that sound too? Or do you think that has less to do with it? I, I mean, if he... Uh, no, nah, I don't really think so because he wasn't the typical East Coast sound, you know. Like, like he's actually a guy that like kind of strayed away from jazzy samples in an era when everyone was doing jazzy samples, right? Like he was he was sampling weird stuff like '60s rock and and uh, psych rock and stuff like that. So I, I can't say that 
where he's from really made a difference because I don't think where he doesn't sound like where he's from. He's he's his own thing to himself, you know. That's just a that's just a question that I really haven't had the chance to ask, so I figured I would because I <laughs> sometimes you can hear location bleed out into an artist, which is like, oh, for sure. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, like mom deep, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> How did yeah. your parents respond? Because you said this was a really young time for you. How did your parents respond to you listening to hip hop? Mine, mine really did not like me listening to hip hop at all. Uh, well, I come from a fairly bohemian artsy family. Okay, like my dad was my dad was an artist. My mom was like a social worker, and like my dad just didn't care. You know, like uh-huh. he was kind of he was, he was partially deaf, so he didn't even hear it. So he was like, whatever. <laughs> he's like, cool, but, do whatever uh, you want. <laughs> yeah, he's like, whatever. Uh, my mom, I, I put my mom on. Just my mom was pretty open minded. I mean, like I actually like I speaking of Prince Paul, like she likes the first De La Soul album. Oh, that's sick. My mom's eighty two. That, oh shit! Holy <laughs> so, shit! Like, you know, like, so you gotta think this was like, you know, thirty years ago. She's like bumping and, it in uh, the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, she, she, I, I remember I made her a mix when I was like in ninth or tenth grade, and I of like weird rap stuff that had like, you know, De La Soul, you know, most, a lot of native tongue stuff, like any, like, like stuff that wasn't aggressive, right? You know, right. And and she, and she she didn't dislike it, you know. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's uh, that's that's cool. Uh, my my dad was a dentist and hated rap. So, yeah. um, I listened to it a lot more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I listened to it as much as I fucking could. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So there, I, I watched a couple of interviews with him and shit like that. And I just tried to kind of gather as much interview based stuff. Cause I feel like that's the best way to kind of understand an artist is hear their own personal answers to things. Um, one of his quotes was like, I just don't want to be bored. Everyone can make the same record. The blueprint is there, but I go for what hasn't been made, but is still good. How do you try to do that while still staying within your own, I guess, I don't even know, genre, maybe? I mean, I mean, that's, it's cool that he said that because I, I, I don't I've never even seen an interview with him. But that's really cool. He said that because like I do feel that exact same way. Like it's boring to just do the same thing over and over again. But at the same time, like we all have our methods and we all have right. our things we're kind of drawn to. Like, like I've kind of figured out my lane, I'd say, at this point in my career and like and I'm happy in that lane. And like, I want to do th- things that are slightly different, but I'm always going to stay under the same umbrella. Cause I don't, cause I'm not really trying to make a, a, a album that's going to sell a lot of copies, you know, like right. I know, I know, I know what I, I know my ceiling, you know, as far as like the fan base I'm going to get. So like, I, I can pretty much do whatever I want and like the fans can kind of come along with me or not. I think you know? that's one of the reasons too, why I picked you is because I can tell when it's blockhead. Like I can for sure yeah. tell when it's blockhead, but like also with this newest one, it's a lot different than like what I got lured into you with, which was yeah. the music scene, which is just a really trippy kind of expansive thing. And then you get these like hip hop shit on this free sweatpants. And I, I really like that because like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to expect from you. And I feel like right, that's, right, right. I feel like that's kind of what it was like going around with Prince Paul. Cause I saw him change through a bunch of different things too. Um, reading mm-hmm. about his experiences and his, uh, you know, different artists that he was working with. I mean, you know, he, oh, yeah. he went, he went all the way through it. So I think that's really cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. His versatility is, is something I've always been very impressed by because he was able to make a De La Soul album, make a Gravediggers album, and then go ahead and make like a, a hip hopera, which featured Breezy Bruin, who's on my new album. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> which, is, which is kind of full circle right there. Honestly, I think that's the one thing too I love is that you know, a lot of the old artists are, are willing to like work their way into this new music scene still and like do other stuff. 
it's just really cool to see these things come back around sometimes. Yeah, yeah. He says there are some tracks that didn't make it on De La Soul is Dead. Either they didn't fit the theme of the album or just were not on par with their style at home. What are some times where you had to make some of those tough decisions? And do you feel as though you'll ever release the tracks that you're thinking of? I honestly don't make a ton of extra tracks when I make an album. Like, I, And like when I do, they, they get used. Because the way I work is not very like I don't just like sit down like I'm gonna make a, a, tr- a song for an album right now like I right. I do a, I do a ton of pre-production first and then I gather beats and turn them into an album and so like I know kind of know what I'm getting into beforehand and like worst case scenario I'll have like extra songs left over and they'll come out either as like free song or like maybe on a later project like I I, I always I, I pretty much use everything I make you know. That's awesome. That's really nice because uh, I know I know for a fact that there's like plenty of artists that like, I mean, not to mention somebody so extremely popular, but like I'm sure Lil Wayne has like albums and albums oh, and albums yeah. of well, shit rappers, just sitting around. It's different for rappers though. Rappers yeah. like, like rappers make so many songs and like they, and they, and mo- I mean, most rappers make stuff like just, will pick, you know, 18 songs out of 50 for their album, but it's different. My songs are like six minutes long. Like it's a lot of work to put into something that, will never come out, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's you know? yeah, for sure. On the, produ- on the production end, it's a lot more involved, definitely. So yeah, I agree totally. with that. He said, I make music to have fun. Sometimes creativity can seem like a lot of work. How do you circumvent the arduous feelings and still maintain creativity? Uh, I don't force it. If I don't feel like making music, I'm not going to make music. And I can go months without making music. I can, right. I can easily. There was a time when I was younger where I had the, the fever to work constantly. But over time, you know, you can't keep up that same momentum all the time. So you kind of got to pick and choose your, your spots. Right. So I, I'm either on or I'm off. And like when I'm on, I work and I'll make a ton of stuff in a short period of time. But when I'm off, I'm just I don't even think about it. I'm shut out to it. And I still have to kind of work my way back up to get in, in the mood to work again. And then but once I get working, it just rolls very naturally. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. I've tried my hand at music production. Like um, I have like a few things here and it's not fucking easy. It is. <laughs> you can't just wake up and be like, I'm just going to produce music. Like that shit is rough. I've tried. Like I can't get past like a certain loop sometimes. You know what I mean? So I respect the hell out of anybody that does this shit. Definitely. You know, what's funny about that is that I, I feel that like not everything you do is sacred. Everything doesn't have to be the best thing you ever made. When I make stuff, it doesn't have to be anything. And the funny thing is, this is going to kind of contradict what you just said, but like, I find it is kind of easy to make beats but it's also how i make beats right ableton is a very easy and friendly program it is i i can make beats on the toilet i can make beats in my bed i can make beats on a plane like it's really just the desire to want to do it at that moment i've never had like insane difficulty with it but it's more getting the inspiration to really put your head down and do it that is the hardest part yeah to actually put in the work and like dedicate to it understood Effort is hard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Work ethic is also not an yeah. easy thing. People really need to like, yeah. you know, some people really need to reach for that shit. I'm definitely one yeah. of them at times. Yeah. Um, so he was in a variety of musical combinations and groups from the Soul mm-hmm. Brothers and Stetsasonic all the way to De La Soul and some newer projects he's working on, such as Super Black. I see mm-hmm. you were also involved in a few groups and projects in the beginning stages of your career, such as Party Fun Action Committee, uh, yeah. The Mighty <laughs> Jones, and producing for mm-hmm. people like Illogic and Aesop Rock. Do mm-hmm. you see yourself always doing things this way, or would you actually, uh, or would you ideally like to eventually be known for being Blockhead exclusively at some point? 
Oh, I mean, I want to do everything. Yeah. I want to. I mean, like my my hip hop is my first love. So, like, I mean, honestly, like I'm way more comfortable making rap songs than really? I'm making instrumental songs because that's kind of where I'm from. I rapped before I made beats. Oh, and, that's like, cool. I, I don't listen to any instrumental music at all. And I never have. <laughs> so, like, I, I listen to hip hop. So, like, I, it's it's very much like my wheelhouse. But at the same time, like when I'm making instrumental stuff, because I don't listen to other instrumental music, like I really have no gauge of what's going on in instrumental music. I don't really care. Like it's just, I'm just making music what I want to make. I do want my hands in all different pots, you know, if that makes sense. It's, it's uh, working with singers, working with rappers, doing instrumental stuff, like whatever. Like it's, it's, it's all music. And as long as I get to be creative and not, not be, you know, restrained in any way. Right. Yeah. Music is honestly, especially at this juncture in life, music is such an expansive and extremely involved process. You can find musicians fucking everywhere. Like me and my girlfriend actually went up to a local coffee shop here in Denver and we were going to work on this podcast. And we were like, all right, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about how we're going to gather people to interview and blah, blah, blah. And when we got mm -hmm. there, there was this random group that was doing this music project and they had everybody in the coffee shop getting together to make different parts of a song and by the end of it there was like a whole song made out of all this random people and they were like hey do you guys want to do this like free exercise and i was like yeah they're like the first thing we need you they're like the first thing we need you to do is interview an artist and i'm like this is literally like what the fuck we came here to talk about today so like i don't know art is art is such an inclusive thing these days and like it's yeah. not it's not like it used to be like you know i mean obviously at one point it used to be like hip hop was black people's thing. And now it's like everybody's thing. Like, you know, I yeah. mean, you know, you got uh Waka Flocka doing like EDM shows and shit like that. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like shit's yeah, just yeah. like, yeah, it's, sure. it's getting crazy and I love it. So he said he got into music pretty young, going to shows and clubs and sitting in the DJ booth at events. He started DJing in the fifth grade and buying equipment with birthday money. How young did you start? What equipment did you start with? And when were you like, fuck it, this is what I'm doing. Uh, Well, I started rapping in high school uh and i and, and i didn't even start rapping i first started writing i was like i i knew this guy who was a little older than me and he was a rapper and, and i would like write him like punchlines and stuff like that mm -hmm. uh because that's kind of funny and i had like you know and i i was I, I was always a good writer but i was never a good rapper interesting <laughs> so i started rapping in high school then i met a, a, a bunch of dudes my senior year and we started rapping in a, as a group together and then in I think my freshman year of college over Christmas break, I got my first sampler, which is an ASR 10, uh, which is an Insonic keyboard sampler that I still have over there. Awesome. And, uh, and, uh, I don't use it that much though. Cause it's, you know, runs on floppy disks, but it's kind of, but, uh, but I got that. Yeah. I got that when I was like 18 and, uh, started making beats then. And a couple, maybe like three or four years later, I was doing songs with Asa. I mean, I knew I met Aesop in college he and I both had the same sampler. We were doing songs together. And then, uh, yeah, probably around, huh, let's see. I think I realized I could do it as a job at like in like 2001, 2002. Sick. Sick. Yeah. And then I, I quit my last job in 2004. Cool. That's cool. That's, yeah. No, there has it. to be a transition. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, just... I wasn't doing, <laughs> I wasn't doing anything too special either. I was, I was working at a bakery. It wasn't very, yeah, uh, for sure. I feel like, know. I feel like that's what everybody's doing right before they start doing some shit like that. They're like, you know what? I'm like, wiping, shop. I'm wiping tables. <laughs> um, fuck this yeah. shit. I want to like be a rapper. Fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had to, I, I had to wait till I was going on tour. I was like, all right, I guess now it's for real. Yep. Well now I'm, now, now people money. want yeah. me in other places. Yeah, exactly. I, um, like, I quit. <laughs> fuck this shit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, so that exactly. actually kind of leads into this other 
question that I have. Um, it's really funny that you mentioned what you just did. Uh, Prince Paul has a vast love for vintage equipment, specifically the Akai S900, I believe. Uh, mm -hmm. He started when technology was not as sophisticated and as, and as advanced as it is now. It must have been crazy for him to witness all that change. Do you have some favorite vintage equipment you would prefer to use, and if so, why? I'm not an equipment guy. Really? I've never been an equipment guy. Like I, I've only ever had an ASR-10, and I have Ableton, and that's it. And I never wanted anything else. I'm a person I don't really enjoy learning. So if I figure something <laughs> out, then I just want to stay with it. And uh, and I've never – yeah, I've never – I mean, New York apartments are not that big, so I can't fit that much equipment in here anyway. And I don't have like a, a big studio in my crib. Like I literally just work off my laptop. Like that's all I, I do. I just I don't even have I use I use these headphones and my laptop, and that's what I work on when I'm in the house. That's honestly really inspiring. You don't need that much, you know. Yeah, <laughs> as long as you just have the ideas and you and you understand the the dynamic of how to create music, I guess it really isn't required to. I mean, especially in this day and age, like we can do anything yeah. with just our little computer. So every, and every you got to look at everything kind of like an instrument. Like it, it's you know my my. ASR-10 was an, it was an instrument, and I could use it for what it was good for. Now my Ableton's my instrument, and I can play that in a certain way, and and, uh, and you work within the, in that spectrum, and it kind of, uh, you know, it forces your creativity or, or, or you know, it at least inspires you to, to kind of build something in this in this small little circle, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great reasoning. When he was asked if he'd revisit making a De La Soul album, he said he isn't sure he'd be able to live up to it, especially with today's restriction on sampling and stuff like that. If we had the loose restrictions of the old days and today's age, what would you be sampling and why? Uh, man, I would probably sample a lot more soul music. I, I, it's weird. I mean, I, I pretty much sample whatever I want. Yeah. And, and and I have like a more of a moral code as far as what I don't sample. Like I just don't sample music I like. Okay. Like that I personally listen to because I don't because it's already kind of tainted to to be a certain way. And right. I, and I and I want the samples to be separate of that. I don't sample from things after made after like eighty five. Okay. Uh, just because like I the recording the way things are recorded after that stopped being interesting to me and like part of what I like about sampling is how things were recorded in the era that I sample them from understood uh uh but yeah i mean like i i've never been one to want to sample famous songs I, I don't really they've all been sampled already the ones that i would have sampled so it's kind of a you know i i can't say that would change what i do much i would be able to make more money yeah <laughs> you know but but you know other than that it's uh, you know it's not it doesn't really affect me that much understood okay yeah no that's that's uh that's an interesting answer because I, I know some people find restrictions do that and some people want to sample probably newer things and they just can't. And like, you know, it's just it really does depend. And I feel like if you're a really deep sample artist, you're probably hitting up the old shit anyway, as much as you yeah. possibly can. Yeah. What separates him from other artists in regards to his sampling style and how do you emulate it in your work? Like I said earlier, like he has always had a sense of humor and a quirkiness to his stuff that I like. And he didn't sample the typical things that everyone was sampling at that time. But most of all, I mean, it's not just him that did this, but he was probably one of the first guys I recognized doing it is, is layering of samples. It's taking a song from here, a song from here, putting it on top and making it work tonally and, and mood wise. Okay. And, uh, and that, that's like the foundation of what I do. It's like I take samples from all different places and put them together and try to make it sound like it should be one piece. And that's something he did on a much more restricted level because he'd have like two or three samples in a song. That was like something off the bat when I first started making beats. I was listening to him. I was listening to Black Sheep's first album. I was listening to Farside's first album. 
Gangstar, like all that, you know, the early mm-hmm. 90s stuff. And these are all albums that did that. And I was like, that's what you do. That's how you make a beat. It wasn't like lazy looping. It wasn't just like, oh, here's a beat. Then it's no changes. It's just like, I've never subscribed to that as a way of making beats. I think that's pretty lazy. It's too easy. Like, like, and you want to have changes like hip hop. It doesn't have to be as monotonous as it is. Like you you can, you can work within the monotony and still have some life to the beat by throwing in little things here and there and, and keeping it moving, you know? Yeah, I feel that for sure. So people always told him he was the first person to put skits into his uh, albums, kind of. Yeah. Do you enjoy a good skit here and there? Is that your style or is it strictly music for you? Uh, I mean, you know, th- there have been some good skits in the history of the world, <laughs> but uh, I can't <laughs> say they have a short shelf life, I'd say. I think you listen to them once or twice. And you're like, all right, got that. That's skit. how I feel for sure. He was the first to really get creative with skits and, uh, and, and weird I always appreciate that about it. Yeah, I think they. Uh, I, I think in one of the interviews he referenced, uh, there was like a game show host sketch, and it kind of introduces like yeah. the whole De La Soul, and like he was like, yeah. he was like, how the fuck are we going to introduce ourselves? And like, let's do a game show. Like it's yeah. just, and I, yeah. I, I think that's an interesting idea. But then again, also like I listen to Eminem a lot, and his yeah. skits were really funny the first time, and then after that, I was like, and dude, then, Ken can yeah. shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. want to <laughs> fucking hear it, yo. Like, where's rap? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You, you eventually skip over those tracks every time. Yeah. Right? had to remove him from my spotify playlist like you know it's this is what it is so um what is the thing you most wish was the same about music today that existed when prince paul was blowing up uh specifically hip-hop music it doesn't have to be all music uh huh i i wish that uh on a larger level like creativity is valued more i wish that like i wish that like there's a mindset of just like whatever's hot People, I mean, this is, and it's always been like that. There's always been like, whatever's hot, people are going to copy it. But the, there was a, there was a mindset back then where it's like, you actively were like, I don't want to sound like anyone else. That's why people like Das Effects existed. That's why like, you know, people started rapping weirdly and like going, like doing all these like kind of yeah. weird things. Like it was to not sound like the next guy. And now it's like, I want to sound exactly like that guy. Yeah. So I could also, and, and that, and it kind of works. And then the next thing comes out and then people copy that. And, and there's always a person who kind of takes little risks and somehow breaks through the bullshit and they kind of pick up steam and then people copy that person and the cycle repeats and repeats and repeats. But like, I like the idea of people kind of stepping back and being like, I don't want to hear any of this shit. I want to sound like my own thing entirely. And, uh, you know, one that comes to mind for me with that is uh, Buster Rhymes. Buster, mm-hmm. Rhymes, Buster Rhymes was like extremely different sounding at, at, at the time oh, yeah. that I was listening to him, at least. And I just, yeah, I really always appreciated that about him. Like nobody yeah. could really do it like Busta at the time. So that was really tight. So he talked about Gravediggers and how he thought it was going to be the best thing out. But when he shopped it, people weren't really feeling it. He got, <laughs> yeah, He got depressed because people didn't understand it. And he said he expected it since no one understands what he does. Do you feel that way about your stuff? And how do you power through it? Uh, I, no, I don't really feel like, I mean, like, I don't think there's anything to understand or not understand about my music. It's, it's either, you know, if you like instrumental music and you like samples, then check it out. If not, eh, what can I do? I mean, I, the, the party for an action committee album I did was a comedy album with skits and with, uh, parody songs. Uh, that kind of falls into that side of thing where, okay. where like people just didn't get it at all. Uh, I mean, it's not to no fault of their own really. Cause it was put out by an indie rap label who was putting out like popular indie rap at that time. Uh, but that, that was the one case of, of people of me being like, Oh wow. People just missed the boat on this entirely. And then, uh, 
what we're, what we're trying to do here. But you know that I expected that. You know. Yeah, it just is what it is at that point. I understand yeah, that. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. MC Search said understanding Paul's contribution to hip hop is like asking what's a tree's contribution to oxygen. <laughs> if you don't put him in the top ten producers of all time, then you are smoking rock. <laughs> what do you think is a great way to contribute to hip hop if we want it to continue thriving? Well, I mean, it depends who you're asking. For me, or for like, or am I talking like what other people should do? From from your perspective, and I guess um, if anybody else wants to get into it too, you could probably touch on that. I would say, um, well, you know, value creativity, but also um, don't be delusional because not everyone can be a rapper, not everyone can be a producer. Like we have enough in the world. Some people are better uh, marketers than they are musicians. You know? Understood. <laughs> and uh, and I don't think there's no room for that. Pe- those people like like we like we have enough. There's there's so much music out there, and everyone there's and there's there's so many platforms to blast it out on nowadays. It's just like you're, it's overwhelming to try to keep up. Like I stopped trying to keep up with new music a lot. I mean, I, I hear things here and there, and I and same. I, I pay attention, but I but I'm not like digging. You know, like I used to be like ferociously active looking for new music. And I think, yeah, it's, it's a little over overwhelming these days. So I would say, you know, have a realistic view of your own music and just be like, do I need to be making music? <laughs> right. Like, is, is this really yeah. what I want to do? <laughs> yeah. Over time, hip hop has taken many different forms. The Prince Paul era seeming most almost magical. The angry hip hop of the 90s all the way up to now with all of this new mumble style rap. Do you think today's music still falls under that same umbrella as the olden golden hip hop that we so intriguingly no. came to know and love? I don't either. No, no. I, 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 in fact, I think that it's in our best interest to not put them together because it's only then that you, can you kind of appreciate what they're doing now. Like, I don't like a lot of that stuff. Like, Me like I, I'm not, I'm not, but I will say like, I do like some of it and I like some of the production. Like a friend of mine, like who's a huge future fan and he made me like this long future mixtape. And he was like, no, you gotta listen to it. He's like, but what you gotta do is like, don't listen to it as a rap guy. Just listen to it as like a music fan. And, and I did. And I, and I got it and it made sense. I was like, okay, I, I, I can appreciate this on this level. If I'm listening to it for like bars. No. And, and like, so you got to old hip hop's one thing. New rap is a different thing. That old vibe still exists. And honestly, like, I'm not really trying to hear guys rap about the same shit that, like, they were in 92, you know? I agree and, with uh, that, too. So, like, you got to kind of, to catch my ear, you have to be somewhat on your own tip and, and be doing your own thing entirely. View everything on its own. Like, there's there's dudes my age who are just, like, stuck in 1994, and they're like, if it doesn't have brakes on it, it's crap. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, you just sound you sound old and bitter. Like, like there was an interview with Run the Jewels a while ago on uh, the Breakfast Club or something like that, and uh, and LP made this point is like, dudes who only are into that one era, they're suspended in time and like they never grow out of that era, and that's why they 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 can only go back to that and like you know equate that time with a better era of their life or something like like who knows what the psychology of it is. You gotta kind of grow and spread your wings a little bit as you get older musically and like embrace like i'm not saying like try to keep up with what new music is like i like i'm not gonna ever sit around and be like oh let me check out the new blue face album because like it doesn't right. make sense why would i do that i'm 42 years old like that's ridiculous right but i'm also not gonna be like i don't like any of this stuff unless it's like boom bap which is ridiculous because like there's plenty of good rap now there's tons of good rap yeah it's th- just a matter of finding it right i think you just have to search harder than you used to yeah 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 and, and it's less common like, you know, there'll be like three or four artists a year that I'm like, oh, shit, I love this dude. 
and then uh and then a lot of crap and that's kind of how it is <laughs> yep that's just that's just actually the world that's not even just music that's just yeah. how it is <laughs> it's, it's it's earth <laughs> there's yeah there's very good cars and then there's extremely shitty ones <laughs> yes yeah exactly, so exactly. um prince paul now i we kind of you kind of touched on this a little bit already prince paul seemed to work with a lot of old friends over time do you have any old friends or people from your early music days that you'd want to work with as time goes on or were you just doing a lot of this by yourself eventually and just like fuck it if i mean oh, i mean i've, I've i mean I, I was never i mean outside of like aesop and those guys like i was never friends with a ton of rappers so like i mean the people i work with are the i mean i've worked with this the, the same musician on every instrumental album i've ever done this guy damien paris who's played guitar and bass on like every one of my albums mm-hmm. uh but uh i mean for the most part you know like like i would i mean obviously i'd work with aesop you know <laughs> right uh but uh yeah i mean there's there's really no one like from the past that i was like oh i missed an opportunity of working with that guy interesting uh, you know like i wasn't really putting myself out there to do that i was very in my own little circle of my, like my friends are the, my friends I grew up with and the rap people were kind of outside that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, he also, so he said that the way he got into Stetsa Sonic was kind of random. His friends were riding out to Brooklyn to DJ and asked him if he felt like going. And at first he said he wasn't sure. Then as the van started to drive away, he called after them, changed his mind and went. When he arrived, there was a competition and he caught the attention of Daddio and became a part of Stetsa Sonic, like got offered to be on it. Do you have any situations in your career's history that were almost completely missed that had you not made a quick decision? Uh, not, I, I generally make quick decisions. Nice. <laughs> like I was like, I'm not a waffle. It's funny. Like, like, uh, you know, I, I'm a Libra. I don't know if that makes a difference, but like, which is someone who's like, usually some often like they, they you know, Libras are known to be like kind of back and forth about shit, but like, I'm pretty decisive. Like, I make a decision like I, I might have like regrets of not of like larger scale things of like, oh, I should have like put myself injected myself more into like this scene at this point in my life and I would have worked with different people. But that's all in hindsight. And like, I don't have a single moment that I'm like, oh, I blew it with that one thing. Oh, that's you know? cool. Yeah, that, that's good. I, at least not yeah. living in any kind of regret is pretty awesome. And it's yeah, it's, it's also awesome that Prince Paul didn't have to live with regret on that one moment because yes, it seemed to be a launch you know what i mean yes i think it's I, I think it's really funny how close it could honestly be for some of these artists where he could he could have just oh, sat, yeah he could have just sat home and like jacked off or something that night and just been like fuck oh, yeah. this like yeah, I, yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm wondering how many times jacking off has ruined people's careers <laughs> <laughs> the the indifference spot on by wanting just to jerk off instead of go out <laughs> about as much as girlfriends have too i'm sure yeah oh yep for sure for sure <laughs> <laughs> that damn dick yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, so he talked about being early in the technological process of sampling. If you had to do things with equipment like that, especially since you're such a computer-based um, person, mm-hmm. if you had to do things with equipment like that, do you think you'd be able to execute it as accurately and still work that way? Uh, I mean, my early beats were made on a early, like an earlier ver- sampler. So, I mean, my first three albums and all of the early, uh, basically anything before 2000 and eight 2007 was done on uh, an old school sampler so i could do it I, I can't do what i'm doing now on it because uh it involves time stretching and stuff like that so uh so i, I would be doing music but it would just be very different i mean it would it'd be it'd be a much more limited scope i still to this day i'm like i i work in the computer field i work in tech uh i work it and all that shit 
Mm-hmm. So like I know the benefits that computers have and like I'm still constantly impressed by what they can do musically these days like what For I'm sure, what, like I actually even like even not even just musically like uh, I got like a drawing tablet I don't know if you've ever fucked with like digital drawing before. No, no. But like, there's a appa- like apparently there's a line that you can draw, and it's a symmetry line. And so like when you draw on the right side of that line, everything happens on the left side too. So like, oh, that like that's cool. That solves like every single fucking problem I've ever had yeah. with drawing in my whole <laughs> life. I've always drawn like lopsided hearts and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So like, <laughs> it's just like we're we're on a ne- we're on another level right now, and art is like so easy to attain at this point. Oh, yeah. I think that's really that's, awesome. That's, yeah. Uh, sure. So uh, he produced for a fuck ton of people such as Queen Latifah, Big Daddy Kane, Method Man, and even Chris Rock. Who would you have wanted to produce for back then? And who do you really want to produce for now? Anyone as random as Chris Rock? Uh, I mean, I don't know how I produced for Chris Rock, but uh, back then, I mean, like I wanted to make beats for everyone back. I mean, like Cool G Rap is my favorite rapper of all time. Rakim. I mean, like uh, Rakim is the uh, shit. Rakim. I mean, like Big Daddy Kane. Sure. I mean, like, I mean, literally any rapper from that era that i was a fan of and and even moving on forward to like guys like uh like freestyle fellowship and and uh like latirics and so like 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 it wasn't just you know east coast classic rap like i wanted to work with a uh, mystical oh my like, god uh, uh, like twist twister like like i want like those are i, I want to work with all those mystical and twister i think are still dope now so like no, I, I do work too with them now doom i'd love to work with doom but oh yeah he's very he's very elusive but nowadays, uh, hmm. there's a couple, there's a handful of rappers I'd like to work with that I haven't worked with. Like I like Vince Staples, I like a lot. I like this dude Makami, Rock Marciano, basically like anyone I listen to, I'd want to work with. That's you awesome. And, yeah, no, and uh, there, there's if, t- if it was available, you know. Yeah, for sure. I I just like I'm so happy that I grew up in that time because mm-hmm. uh, like to have that kind of hip hop happen to us was probably just like one of the most essential parts of me growing up for sure. Um, and, you know, uh, another uh, a cool thing about Mystical, I actually got to see him perform with the Preservation Hall Jazz Band. Oh, wow. In, uh, That's crazy. At, at the Joy Theater in New Orleans. And I've, like, to hear uh, all of his songs with real horns behind them was oh, yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. amazing. I love that Well, guy. you know, the, the last song he put out was uh, with a live band. Really? And, uh, uh, and I forget the name of it, but it's... It's it's like basically like a James Brown song. It's so good, Dude, and no. he kills it on that song. I wish I knew the title off the top of my head, but uh, it's so good. It's so good. That's yeah, amazing. It's, like, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mystical is the shit. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Except, well, his, his his outside of music practices are a little oh, <laughs> a little iffy. Uh, I'm sorry. Mystical's <laughs> but, yeah. art is the shit. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a he's a questionable guy, but he but he makes great music. He's a good rapper. DMX was kind of cool too, but then again, we saw yeah. how that turned out. <laughs> I I would almost say that Mystical might be a little have a worse thing than dmx <laughs> really i look, look it up it's not pretty it's very, it's, it's very <laughs> he was he was in jail for a while for doing something very bad okay but, uh, okay yeah. <laughs> well you know thank god we're talking about you and not him <laughs> yeah yeah i'm um, glad he wasn't my guy <laughs> yeah thank god um yeah. so after working with mc light uh prince paul said he blew up with people requesting him for work do you have any career milestones that made uh, people request your work a little bit more or made you blow up a little bit more anything that you remember oh i mean well i mean aesop the, uh the most of all the labor days album okay like because of like the song daylight people i started getting a lot of calls then but even prior to that with um on my work with aesop is really what got my whole career going 
so like anything from those first two out from float or, or labor days was, was really like, that's when the, I started getting emails from strangers, but being like, Hey man, can I buy a beat? And like, you know, and it, and it kind of opened some doors for me for sure. That's pretty badass. That's gotta be really mm-hmm. awesome. Like a, a dope feeling. Yeah. It's um, not bad. <laughs> yeah. No, that no, doesn't suck. <laughs> not a bad thing. Uh, there's another quote that he said, uh, I'm forward moving and that's a little bad for business because a lot of times if I replicated the same sound, I would have made more money if I'd stuck to one thing, especially with something that was successful, but I get bored easy and there's more to my life and to my personality than one type of sound. I think once you get in your comfort zone, you're really not expanding. Do you feel that way about music? Because uh, I hear a lot of different styles from you. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I mean, I kind of touched on it earlier. Like if you just keep doing the same thing forever, you're going to lose inspiration. And it's just going to get boring. And, uh, and, and then granted, and like I said, like the, the methods of creation can, can stay the same, but like the sound that you're putting out will always change and, uh, you know, evolve as you go. So like, yeah, I, I mean, I agree hundred percent with what he just said there. Cause th- like the, if you, if you find a lane that's actually working, like, like say, I don't know, I, I can't think of an artist right now, but like, like say I made like a, one hit, like uh, for instance, like Sir Mix a lot made, uh, a baby got back. Mm-hmm. And the next song he made after that was trying to recapture that was put him on the glass because put him on the glass is about tits and baby, baby got back was about ass. And he was like, I'm going to make a song about tits. And it'll be, and like, so that's not how to do it. <laughs> right, right, right. You can't just, <laughs> that's like, what I'm saying. You can't just like, like copy you, the idea. Yeah. You can't just try to treat or like a lot of old rappers who haven't been out in like 10 years will make like part two of an album they made 15 years ago. And it's like, dude, don't do that. Like, like it's, that's past, like do something new or at least name it something different. <laughs> I say that as I'm probably going to do a part two of one of my albums, but that's, that's <laughs> sorry. You know. I, I trust you to make it somewhat new. Obviously. It'll be different. Yeah, It'll be for different. sure. <laughs> yeah. When he went to record with Stetsasonic, the president of Tommy Boy Records basically told him to get rid of him because he seemed like an unprepared DJ because he only showed up with like his select records. So I think the guy thought that like he didn't have shit and he was just like just some punk kid. Um, he said it really hurt because he was a kid and that was his first recording experience. Do you have any moment where the industry made you feel like complete shit, but you just kept going anyway? And how did you handle that? Well, I've had a couple moments like that. Like I've had moments with like record labels where they were like, can you make this sound like this and trying to make me, my music sound like something that was current? Like, like, can you make a dubstep album? But my biggest moment of that was when I, I've, I've written about this before, but, uh, I worked with Lana Del Rey before she was famous mm-hmm. and she, she was not, she, her name was Lizzie Grant back then. And I went to, and I got, our managers kind of hooked us up. She was trying to, she was trying to find her sound and uh, she's like, well, maybe singing over your beats would be kind of a good idea. And I was like, all right. So, so we did some songs together and I take my songs to the studio and then, you know, she's written all these songs and she records the vocals. And then the, the engineers and musicians come in and start totally like plucking apart the parts of my beat. And then filling it in with like live instruments and like, and I see, I wasn't aware that was the plan. I thought we were going to make a song like my beats her, you know, but it turned into like this, like weird, like bar band sounding bullshit. And, uh, and I remember just being like, Oh, that's how that works. Okay. Uh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, is that real? Like, um, oh, cause it's not something I never had to deal with with rappers, you know, right. But, like dealing with a singer. And, and then like a year later, she became Lana Del Rey and blew the fuck up. That's crazy. And and in her defense, like the sound that she found was something she was already kind of tinkering with at that time, and uh, and she just kind of fully realized it. But it was yeah, it was very, but it was it was a very much a like an industry thing where I was like, oh, 
this is bullshit. So <laughs> <know>? fuck this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was just like, Ugh. but uh, you know, it worked out. It worked out well for her. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I mean, you yeah, know, you're, right. you're... she was she was totally nice. She was totally nice. And she, yeah, good for her. That's awesome. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty cool though. Uh, uh, you know, you never really hear about like the beginning stages of someone so that's a pretty cool like little inside story yeah are there any songs or projects of his that you would want people to specifically hear if they have never heard of him before uh well i mean i think the day de la soul's first album is crucial i think the first two de la soul albums are crucial that song que sera sera by by justin warfield is is a, a great example of the kind of like when he makes beats that are kind of like emotive uh i mean his the 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 rap opera album he made which name is slipping my mind right now oh good i'll figure prince Prince among thieves oh yeah that's it that's it prince among thieves that that was a good one uh yeah i mean he he even made like kind of instrumental comedy albums anything he did really was always going to be interesting and different even if it's not something you particularly want to listen to over and over again it's always been interesting you know this was a very interesting guy to look into at all. Like kind of hearing him like create his own thing is just fucking awesome. Um, yeah. What project of yours is the most Prince Paul styled and inspired? I mean, party fun action committee by leaps and bounds. Really? <laughs> because it, because it's skit heavy, it's silly and it's, it's, it's parody and it's kind of, yeah. I mean, uh, no, I can't say there's there's something that I've done outside of that that could really even compare to other stuff he's done, because uh, like my beats don't sound like his beats. Like you know he makes his own sound entirely. Absolutely. But uh, but uh, but yeah, I, part of an action committee is is very Prince Paul centric, but like over the top stuff. <laughs> like, right. Very, okay. Like it's something he 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 may have done at some point in his career had you know the chips turned a different way. <laughs> right, right, right. For sure. For sure. Um, so I got like a couple more questions for you. Right. Um, and I, I, I think this interview has gone awesome. Um, I know this <laughs> podcast brings up the, the hard question of who an artist's favorite artist slash inspiration is, especially for a sample based artist like you, who were some others mm-hmm. that you considered discussing? That's, it's tough because like, to me it's, and I remember when you first asked me this stuff, like in the emails and stuff, like, like I, I'm more era centric. Like mm-hmm. I've never been one producer has been like like I love Diamond D. I love Showbiz. I love Dr. Dre. I love uh, I love Large Professor. Like like all the all I was informed by everyone from that era. And like and it was more and like I mentioned earlier. Like there's album like Black Sheep's A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing or a Bizarre Ride to the Far Side are two albums that like had a definitive mark on me by how they were produced. And like how they sounded and like the things they did on those albums. So like I would kind of point at those two albums, but uh Prince Paul as a vibe has always been kind yeah. of more my, my thing, you know? I can understand that fully. I, yeah. I like the moment that I listened to some of his stuff, I was like, I totally get why he picked this guy. Like like yeah, 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 yeah. you guys you have a lot of similarities to him, but obviously not mm-hmm. the exact same style, and I appreciate yeah, yeah. that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um uh, another question that I want to ask you, and this is just because I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not stepping on your toes at all. Do you mind if I feature some of your music on this podcast? Oh, go ahead. Okay, cool. I appreciate I that. I just want to know how you, how do you like the idea of this show? What do you think about it? And how do you feel like these questions were? I, I, it's, it's a good idea, man. Cause I honestly, like, like I was a little worried about it because, uh, cause I hate 
the uh, I hate the the what inspires you question because I think it's bullshit. I don't think it's but if you're pulling from a specific artist, it, it changes everything. So uh, yeah, like it's I think it, it's you know you did the research and 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 you definitely kind of found a good balance between that artist and me, which is which is cool. And uh, you know I'd say it's it's a great idea. I, I think yeah, I think the main thing about this shit is that I really want to uncover like. For a lot of people, like I said in the beginning of this, I want to uncover the fact that it's not easy to be an artist. It is like, you know, to, to like actually build yourself as something unique and establish yourself as someone different is crazy. And I also really, really appreciate the way that this doesn't touch on the same typical questions like, what's your favorite venue? Um, yeah, yeah. Where, where, yeah, where's yeah. where's the coolest city you've ever played in? Yeah, like nobody. Why why is your name Blockhead? Yeah, That's so what does Blockhead <laughs> mean? Like no, like no. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, you can probably yeah. find that shit on Wikipedia. So like, who fucking knows? You definitely can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but I just want to thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me about this. My pleasure. Um, I also want to thank you for showing this generation some Prince Paul love. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, I mean, I feel like people Try. really need to know where the fuck we came from to get where we're going. You know what I mean? For sure. For um, sure. And uh, I guess I'll just keep in touch with you and let you know when this is on. And uh, if you could just like tag it and promote it on your shit, yeah, too, yeah, that'd be awesome. Not a problem. Thanks a lot, man. All right, man. It was really nice talking to you, dude. Have a good hey, one. Definitely. Uh, you too. Take care. Dude. Yep. And there you have it. A fine journey through the history of hip hop and one of the artists that changed the sound. It's pretty clear from this interview that Blockhead knows what the fuck is up. Also, take note of his outlook on the changes within the industry, and how he doesn't feel the need to flow with them, but also doesn't deny that they're happening and doesn't bitch about it. So often we get stuck in what we like, that before we know it we've spent five years on the same shit and get bored. The human mind looks for patterns, but it's our duty within ourselves to break the patterns and explore new formats or avenues. I really can't thank Blockhead enough for making the time to sit down and discuss such an impactful art form with me. We really got down to the nitty gritty of what made hip hop so palpable and digestible in a time where it was new and budding. Blockhead's new album Free Sweatpants can be found on all major platforms, and the new video for his song Slippery Slope is out now as well. His website is fatfriend.com spelled with a ph. He can also be found at facebook.com slash therealblockhead and his Instagram at BlockheadNYC. Prince Paul's info can be found at facebook.com slash producer and on Instagram and Twitter at djprincepaul, as well as all major platforms. All of these links can be found in the bio along with a link to the playlist for this episode. I also want to take the time to thank all of you for listening to me and what my favorite artists and I have to say about building yourself up in any medium of this sort. At this current point in time, our show has over 600 total plays. 600 plus times that someone decided to listen to something I made from an idea in my head. Might not seem like much on the spectrum of podcasts and popularity, but if I had 600 people in a room to see me, I'd be pretty excited to say the least. As long as y'all keep listening, I promise to make sure to keep delivering this level of thought-provoking information on what it takes to be unique, rather than being an indistinguishable drop in the pool of the masses. Uniquity Over Ubiquity is available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher. All related links can be found on our Facebook at facebook.com slash uniquityoverubiquity and Instagram at uniquityoverubiquity. If you know of any other artists you'd like to hear on the show, please email us at management at uniquityoverubiquity.com. Keep in mind we are not just looking for musicians. We find all art types interesting. 
tattoo artists, comedy, visual designers, painters, opera singers, you name it. If it's valuable to you, it's valuable to us. Thank you so much for following me on my quest for knowledge in the seemingly secretive world of art and performance. Stay tuned for a mini-sode where I'll announce our next guest. Bye, everybody.